Today's gospel comes from Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Friends, fair fatigue is real. <laughs> I called the doxology the glory of pottery and said for when I meant to say from. So, know that we're in this together. It's been a long fall break. I spent the better part of this week gazing out the windows of our fair booth um, at all the people who were passing by. And it, it amazes me every year that we have volunteers who come out to give of their time and talents and energy to raise funds for missions for Pittman Park so that our church can make a difference, not only here in Statesboro, but all around the world, and to have a little bit of fun while we do it. Part of my fun, though, is getting to people watch. My usual station is, is somewhere between the uh, front counter and uh, the food that's behind me. And so I stand there and I look out um, through our old bus windows. Have you noticed that, that the windows at the fair booth are those old school bus windows? You have to push the little, little levers in, the spring, spring things in to bring them down and to put them back up. You have to be very careful as you're doing it. But I get the opportunity to look out of those windows to see everyone who's coming into the fair and everyone who's going out of the fair. And I love it because every part of our community shows up at the fair. I mean, I saw pageant queens and I saw politicians. I saw teenagers trying to figure out who they are. And I saw plenty of adults trying to figure out where they parked their car. Some of, some of those were you. I saw folks who were dressed up. I saw folks who were dressed down. A few who were overdressed for the heat during the day and more than a few who were underdressed for those 30-degree nights. I saw rich folks and I saw poor folks and I saw literally everybody in between. And as I was watching people standing there between the food and and the bar and the crowd, I started to become aware of my thoughts. 
You ever have that happen where you're sort of in a moment and you're watching things and you suddenly become aware of your thoughts? I was watching this unruly child shouting into our fair booth. When I looked over at Lily Grace sitting quietly next to me, filling up a a cup of Coke, and I began to think, thank God she knows how to act in public. (laughs) Then I saw a man squatting down between me and, and where the bathrooms are located at the fair, and he was squatting down. I thought, that's a little bit odd, and I realized that he was hiding the fact that he was smoking a cigarette. And I thought to myself, the Kiwanis Ogeechee Fairgrounds is a tobacco-free environment, friends. It's posted, right? Like, there's a sign, no smoking at the fair. And to my dismay, I turned and I looked, and there were three or four teenagers sneakily bringing their hands to their mouth to take another puff of their jewel. I can't believe they're breaking the rules. I noticed these things. And it began to make these little judgments about the people that I saw. More often than not, those judgments boosted my own opinion of myself and put down the people that I was watching. Which brings us to our scripture text from Luke 18, verses 9 to 14. Luke chapter 18 is a unique chapter in Luke's gospel. It includes a wide variety of materials about Jesus' life, stories about Jesus' teaching. It includes parables. It includes an object lesson, a moment when Jesus predicts his own death, and the chapter closes with Jesus healing a blind man. And it appears that in verse 9 that Jesus has been watching some people who are gathered either in front of him or around him or who have been near him uh, for some amount of time. Jesus has been watching and he takes a moment to address what it is that he sees before him. Look at the text with me. It says that to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's talk about these two characters for a moment. You have a Pharisee, a religious leader, someone who would have been well regarded and looked up to as an authority in his own community. Someone who would have been steeped in religious tradition. And this particular Pharisee, by his own admission, has done all of the right things. He has kept the commandments. He's not a thief. He's not an adulterer. 
He doesn't cheat people out of their money. He fasts and he prays and he tithes. And he gives attention to all the religious festivals. He makes sure that he's present. I'm sure he has an untarnished Sunday school attendance record. I'm sure that he volunteers at the fair booth every year, right? I'm sure that anytime something's happening at the synagogue or in the temple, that he shows up and he is present. By the letter of the law, this man is righteous and this man is holy. From all outward appearance, this man is righteous and this man is holy. He, he looks the part, he sounds the part, he even acts the part. Then you have the tax collector. A man who would have been considered a thief. A man who's complicit with the Roman authorities that have subjugated the Jewish people. He would have been pushed to the fringe of his community. He probably was pushed out of his family because of his profession and because of the way that people perceived him. And what's interesting to me here in this parable that Jesus tells is how these people pray, how these two individuals pray. The Pharisee prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I give... I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Friends, what kind of prayer is that? Can we put it up there? What kind of prayer is that? It's like a humble brag. I'm here in the presence of everyone and I want to let you know just how righteous and just how holy I am. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm so glad I'm not them. That's the most arrogant, self-aggrandizing prayer that I've ever heard. I sure hope you don't pray that way. This guy is trying to impress God with his religiosity and with his faithfulness. As if God could be impressed with his religiosity. In truth, the only person the Pharisee has uh, managed to impress is himself. God is not impressed with him. Not only that, but the way this parable reads, it's as though the Pharisee has walked past the tax collector through the crowd of people to the front of the congregation who's engaging in prayer in order to make a spectacle of this moment where he's raising himself up, elevating himself so that the whole crowd can see him. He looks up. And he prays loudly to the, the heavens, thank God, I'm not like everybody else. It's the Pharisee's prayer that betrays him. That he prays that he's not like other people and he even calls out the tax collector he passed by on the way in to find himself a place at the front of the crowd. He thanks God that he won't be contaminated by the less righteous. He doesn't even associate with those types in life, nor will he associate with them in worship. The human habit of comparison, through it he seemed to shift, it, shift his religious allegiance to a distorted sense of self-being that he is set apart. This Pharisee views himself as set apart from everyone else, not because of what God has done for him, 
but by what he's accomplished for himself. I'm going to say that again. The Pharisee sees himself as set apart not because of what God has done for him, but by what he has accomplished for himself. And it's all revealed in his prayer, his humble brag to God of all people. It's all vainglory, right? You remember that phrase, that term. Uh, back in July, we talked about vainglory. It's this inordinate pride in oneself or in one's achievements. It's excess vanity. And vainglory happens in our lives as believers when we become focused on what we are doing rather than why we are doing it and who we are doing it for. Vainglory is what happens when we value the doing of good Christian duties, and when we use the, this good doing as a measure of our faithfulness, then we become proud of all the Christian things we've done and use our service to compare and to deem ourselves better than others, more faithful than others, more godly than others. But vainglory is a trap that may elevate us in our own eyes, but it actually keeps us from experiencing God's grace and mercy for ourselves. When we are so puffed up about all it is that we have done, when we are so filled with ourselves, it prevents us from experiencing God's mercy and God's grace because we believe things that are not true of ourselves. We believe ourselves to be better than we are. And it was at this point in writing my sermon that I wanted to say, thank God I'm not like this Pharisee. <laughs> but the truth is, I'm just like him. I spent a week watching people and thinking to myself, I'm glad I'm not like them. How arrogant. How sad. The details of the tax collector's prayer stand in stark contrast to the Pharisee's prayer. The tax collector stands far off. He, he won't go far into the temple in order to pray. He certainly is not going to make a show. He's not going to elevate himself. And he is so aware of his, of his sins and of God's holiness that he knows he doesn't deserve to be near God's presence. So he's physically making himself small. His body is downcast. His, his eyes are downcast. He's made himself small because he's filled with inward sorrow and a sense of responsibility for his own sinfulness. And when he prays, he prays the penitent prayer that's heard throughout the Psalms and throughout the Scriptures, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This man is in touch with reality. He's not enamored with himself. He understands who he is and what he is. He knows that he doesn't deserve grace. But friends, it's this tax collector. It's this tax collector who will receive grace. It's he who goes home justified. He goes home in right standing with God because his trust is not in what he's doing or what he's done. It's not in the plaques and the certificates and the accolades and the titles. It's not in the things that he's done, but it's in the character 
of God. His full trust is in the character of God above all else. And so he prays, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I know who I am. I know what I've done. I know the dark corners of my heart and the dark corners of my soul. Have mercy on me. I wonder how many of us are in touch with who we really are. Most of the time we go through life like the Pharisee. We're proud of ourselves. We're arrogant. We're vainglorious. And we're totally out of touch with reality. Content to judge others while we give ourselves a pass. We fail to remember that we are sinners and that we are continually in need of God's mercy and grace. That it wasn't just the moment that we accepted Jesus that was the moment we needed grace, but even here and now, 5, 10, 15, 25, 50 years later, we still stand in need of mercy and grace because we are sinners. And we are still just as lost and broken as we were on that first day when we met Jesus. We are out of touch with the reality of who we are. No amount of religious doing will replace our need for mercy and grace. So this morning I want to share with you just a few observations about this parable that Jesus tells. First, it's a warning to us. We need to remember that faith in Jesus doesn't make us better than anyone else. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are not better than anyone else. We're not better than the people we see on the street or at the store or that little kid screaming in the window at the fair booth. We're not better than anyone, friends. We just know the depth of our brokenness. And we know what the cure is for our disease. And we know the source of healing, Jesus Christ whose life, death, and resurrection cover over our sinfulness and allow us to enter into eternity. We are still sick. We are still broken. We are still in need. But we know who has the cure. And we know the path to receiving. And our faithfulness doesn't elevate us above others. Here's the second thing. Don't mistake your religiosity for your relationship with Jesus. This Pharisee thinks that his doing for God is more important than his willingness to submit his whole life to God. In a culture that values doing over being, it's, it's tempting. Heck, it's easy to mistake all of the religious things that we do for a deep relationship with God. Certainly, fasting and prayer and tithing are a part of your relationship with God, but these actions aren't the same as a deep and intimate connection with our Creator that grows and matures as we journey with Him through our life. So be careful then that you don't mistake your religiosity for your relationship with God because the two things are different. And last, remember this. That your faith in Jesus should make you aware of your own brokenness and aware of your own 
deep need for God's grace. When we are in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we become more self-aware. We become more self-aware. The more we journey with Jesus throughout our lives, the more we understand how deeply we are broken. Yes, we are forgiven. Yes, we are being made holy, being sanctified, being saved, but we're not there yet. Every day in our relationship with Jesus, we should be reminded of our deep need of Jesus' mercy and grace. We know that our best attempts at faithfulness fall short of the perfect life that God calls us to live. So we become deeply grateful for the mercy and grace that we have received, that we are receiving, and that we will receive as we continue throughout our journey of life. And because of that, because of that gratefulness, we cultivate a deep humility that stands in stark contrast to the world around us. In stark contrast to the Christian culture around us. This morning, every one of us here, no matter how long or how far we have journeyed with Jesus, we stand in need of grace. Grace to justify us, grace to sanctify us, and grace to set us free. Grace to empower us and to equip us, not just to do faithful things, but to be a faith-filled and faithful people the people that God created us to be. So God, have mercy on us, for we are sinners, standing in need of your grace. God, have mercy on us, because we still haven't gotten it right. Give us your grace, that we might be made whole in your image, in your likeness, and in your name. Would you pray with me? God, be merciful to us this morning. Correct us for the ways that we have strayed from your high calling on our life. Discipline us, God, that we might be your faithful servants day after day in the moments when we begin to believe that we are bigger and better than we are, Lord, remind us through Your Word, through the words of friends and members of the community of faith, God, that we're not called to make much of ourselves, but we are called to make much of You. For it's not we who have saved ourselves, but it's You who have saved us through Your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us and rose that we might have life. Lord, help us to become more aware day by day of just who we are and just how great our need for mercy and grace is. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.